Welcome aboard this week's podcast of Dudes Dish Disney. No cupcakes, sparkles, or glitter mouse ears here, just Dudes Dishing Disney. This episode of Dudes Dish Disney is sponsored by Magic Vacations. Magic Vacations, discover the magic of travel. And now your hosts, the Dudes of Dudes Dish Disney. Hello everyone, and welcome to Dudes Dish Disney. Joining us today is Jonathan, our producer and resident tech dude. What's going on, guys? Also joining us is Ryan, our co-host, the number one Disney dude. What's up, dudes? And I'm Congo Carl, former Jungle Cruise skipper, here to guide you through this week's episode of Dudes Dish Disney. And this week, we have a special edition of World Cruises. No, 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 no. We're not doing that again. No way. Not again. Carl, we played this game already in April. It did not go very well. It did not go well at all. Let's 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 actually have a show this time. All right. Well, we are talking cruises, Disney cruises to be specific. And to do so, we had to bring in a special guest. This individual is the most qualified individual we know for this topic. A woman of unbelievable skills, wisdom, talent, beauty, and charm. A woman that we love to suck up to as she's our boss. Please welcome Susie Alpeter. What's up, dudes? How's it going tonight? What's up, Susie? Susie, thanks for joining us. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely, Carl. My name is Susie Altpeter. I am one of the owners of Magic Vacations. I am an avid Disney cruiser. Platinum Castaway Club member. Started cruising in 2005 and have been on 15 Disney cruises since. Susie, you know, for a lot of our listeners, the concept is new. So why cruise? So for me, the best thing about cruising is that all of the decisions have to be made ahead of time or well, can be made ahead of time. And once you're on board, it's the ultimate relaxation. There's no worrying about, am I gonna get there on time? There's no making beds, there's no cooking, there's no disagreements about who wants to do what because there's something for everyone. I don't think I've ever heard anyone put that more succinctly. What do you think dudes? I mean, it's it's right on point. I mean, I've been on a few cruises, and I think that nails it right on the head. So now specifically, Susie, why a Disney cruise? The service. The service, like everything Disney does, is above and beyond. Top-notch. And I have cruised on other cruise lines, but I'm hard-pressed to go back since I started sailing Disney um, six years ago. I think if you look on the sort of the backstory of the ships and how they did this. And there's been a lot of you know, Imagineering stories and, and, and uh, pieces out on mm-hmm. the Disney Channel about how they built the ships and the design and everything. And they really did this nostalgic job to bring back this classic era of cruising. And you feel like you're in a quality environment. And then to add that service that you mentioned, you must think you're sort of in that golden age of cruises. It really does feel like that, Carl. The the ambiance, the atmosphere, like anything Disney does, they went in with a concept and they're trying to bring back that golden age of cruising and they immerse you in it. 
everything from the decor and the mosaics and the art on the walls to the forced perspective when you walk into the atrium when you first board the ship. It's meant to put you in that golden age of cruising. Even the design of the ships, right? With the two smokestacks as opposed to one, that was done intentionally. The coloring, all of the design choices are made so carefully and it's designed to make you feel like this is where you are and they're 100% successful. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, so you, you put together all these decisions to, uh, you know, to go on a cruise. And I know John and Ryan have also booked some cruises and everything. There's a lot of choices. Um, you know, I've only booked one cruise for my mother-in-law. Um, it was no Titanic, but there's always hope, right? <laughs> like the actual Titanic, like you booked a cruise for the Titanic. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? You missed the punchline, Ryan, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look at, so one of the most confusing parts, at least for me, when I did that, and then you sort it out for, for your guests is, um, is room choices, right? State rooms, inside, outside decks, locations. Um, so, you know, there's lots of options there. So, Susie, how do our MVPs coach clients through this part of the decision process? This is something when it comes to choosing a stateroom that is such an individual preference situation. In terms of, for me, and I, I make this joke all the time that I've been on enough cruises that I have preferences. For folks who have never sailed before, the only thing you can do is ask a little bit of uh, ask for a little bit of details about what they enjoy on vacation. Are they, I just want to be in my room to sleep and shower sort of people. Like I'm going to be out and about and doing all the things. Okay, go inside. Don't spend your money on your room because you are going to be out and around. Don't worry about it. You just need a place to sleep. Or are these folks who uh, want the very best of everything. We want the extra attention, the service exemplified and amplified. Maybe you need to be in a concierge stateroom if cost is, is not an issue. You know, maybe they're like my mom who wants nothing more than when she starts a day on vacation than to sit with a cup of coffee and a view. Has to be a veranda. We didn't ever see my mom before about 11 a.m. when we cruise together because she's going to be on her veranda with a pot of coffee and probably, you know, have some breakfast delivered. But she wants to sit and look. And that's just always so it really is a personal decision based on how you like to spend your time, what you're looking for. Just like if you were looking for a resort hotel, you need to qualify based on the priorities of the guest. So staterooms, and of course, cost is a factor, but for me, I like to be in the aft of the ship. Ocean view is good for me because I don't necessarily need a veranda. If I've got one, that's great, but it's not a deal breaker. Sometimes the cut comes down to saying, do I want to spend more on my room or are there going to be excursions that I want to spend my money on? So you have to weigh that cost decision as well. I like to be in the rear of the ship on Disney Cruise Line because that's where um, it's easiest to get to the restaurants. It's easiest to go get a soda, refill a water bottle. The elevators are faster if you're an after forward as opposed to the midship elevators. 
those are the things that I keep in mind. Now, now you're getting to some expert pro tips, but um, so, so John, when you, I know you've booked some cruises, did, was that a complicated part too, is kind of getting through the room choice with people or was it a relatively easy process for your, for some of your clients? So with my clients, um, it, it was a little more challenging, but then again, these are first time cruisers. So it's really educating the client to understand what the difference is. Kind of like what Susie said, like you, kind of understanding what the client wants, what they want, kind of what the expectation is. Again, like Susie said, if you're someone who's going to be out exploring all the activities, an inside room is perfect. But again, if you're someone who likes to view, again, likes to sit, relax in the morning and all that, the veranda is perfect for you. Again, it's client to client. I know my client, we ended up just doing a ocean view room. But then again, that came down to well, do I spend so-and-so amount of money to get the veranda or do I save a few bucks for other activities to do that? It's really that balance in what your budget and what you're comfortable is going to spend to be able to determine that. And that's a case-by-case basis. So Ryan, generally the Disney cruise lines rooms are a little larger anyways and a little bit more luxurious than normal cruise lines anyways. So what's been your experience in going through that, that room designation? Yeah. Uh, so I try to do it more from personal experience, just in terms of being on a cruise ship. Right. So especially for those first time people, I try to tell them like, Hey, this is what I felt, you know, maybe you will feel the same way. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But like, I know for me, I, I have a really hard time going backwards. I get motion sick. Right. So at certain points of the ship, you kind of feel that feeling like when you're in the back of the ship and it's a little rocky or something, you kind of feel that feeling. And there are moments where you can actually be turned around in a chair in a bar or something in the after the ship and you're like, you, you feel like you're going backwards and that can be bad. You know, so I try to tell people like, hey, you know, this is what I felt like. I did an inside room and I felt like I was trapped. Like I'm not the person, I'm not the person who feels uh, like I need to be in an ocean view. I'm not the type of person who feels like I need to have luxury. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in my room. But just the idea that I could look out a window and see the ocean made me feel like the room was a lot bigger and it made me feel less trapped. So that that's one thing I tell people. And then, of course, you know, the veranda is, is I mean, it's it's a great thing to have. Like, you get up in the morning, you go out and you sip, sip on your coffee, you know, you read whatever the publication is of the day, you know, or, or whatever you have on your iPhone, right, as most of us are doing these days. And to me, like, that's kind of how I break it down to people. I think Susie kind of nailed it, that it's it's a lot like picking out a resort. You find well, out what people would like in that and then take it step by step and share your experience to help them figure out what they might need. So you have that uh, added concern of uh, of that motion issue, right? And I know for some people that whole choice, you know, bow, aft, you know, center of the ship, you know, right side, port. What, what's the decision on that that may have an impact on the room location, not just the size of the room? Sue? I have really mixed feelings about that because I've heard absolutely every explanation of, oh, you want to be midship? No, you want to be forward? Oh, no, it's at best. Because people will tell you, and it's kind of like what Ryan was just saying, it's based on your own experience. And so what you felt and, oh, we were midship high up and it was perfect. The best reasoning that I've ever heard is you want to take a horizontal line that splits the ship from top to bottom and a vertical line that splits the ship from front to back. And the least motion is going to be where those lines intersect. 
So, okay, that makes sense. And I'm, I get horrible motion sickness, but I've never had a problem. The only time I have ever had a problem on a cruise ship was my very first cruise. It was very much like what Ryan was just saying. I was at breakfast and we were having rough water. I was facing the wrong direction. And all of a sudden it was like, I swear my eggs are moving off my plate right? Like just was too much to, to experience and see. So I think a lot of it has to do with where people are comfortable and and when they sail, because if you're going to sail in certain parts of the world during hurricane season, you may have rough water. If you sail in certain parts of the world during January or February, you may have rough water. It depends on where you're where you're going and what you want to expect when you get there. So I think that's it. You said, you know, first weather, when you sail. And I think where you sail has a lot to do with it. I mean, if you're in the Caribbean the right time of year, you're fine. Exactly. It's It's smooth as glass. Yeah. If you're you're going from New York to Bermuda, like I have a couple of times and you're going through the triangle, hang on, baby. That's right. That's very different. (laughs) Especially if you're doing it, um, you know, if you're doing it in the time of year where you're going from that cold water to that warm water, right? Yes, it's 100%. Yes. So, so again, your MVP can kind of guide you through that and and help you a little bit. Uh, for those of us who are rather seaworthy, can uh, help you with those choices. But you know, tying off on the where you're going is really a major decision in the cruises is ports of call. So talk to me about some of the ports of call that uh, Disney Cruise Line has um, since you've been to so many, Susie, that you really liked. So my favorite cruise on Disney Cruise Line far and away was Alaska. We sailed Alaska with Disney Cruise Line two summers ago, um, so June of 2019, and it was magnificent. We went to Uh, Ketchikan, we went to Juneau, we went to Skagway, we ported out of Vancouver. Absolutely like nothing else that I've experienced. So DCL does Alaska and does it tremendously. Also have sailed um, Disney Cruise Line from Copenhagen. We went through the Northern Baltic capitals. Um, We were in uh, Estonia and Sweden. And we went to St. Petersburg, Russia. Don't mess around with the passport folks there. It's not a joke. Uh, you'd be no, no, no sense of humor there at all. Um, keep yourself in line. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we have ways to take your passport. <laughs> my 12-year-old niece almost got very, very uh, she was she stepped over the yellow line when she should not have stepped over the yellow line. And we'll just, we'll leave it there. But um, so DCL, of course, sails the Caribbean and the Bahamas, the Southern Caribbean, Eastern, Western Caribbean. All of these are different itineraries that you can sail. So, I mean, Alaska, Panama Canal, the Caribbean, um, the British Isles, uh, Norway, Northern Europe, and these are all places the big ships go. Yeah, right. Um, so the the choices are limitless in terms of places you can go on DCL. The most common ones, though, Carl, are going to be the quick trips out of Florida, where um, the the largest of the ships, the Disney Dream and the Disney Fantasy, are going to be sailing. The Fantasy alternates Eastern and Western Caribbean seven night itineraries. All of this I'm saying with an asterisk because COVID has made the itineraries 
um, change in a lot of instances. And then the Disney Dream that does a rotating three and four night trip um, to the Bahamas, um, to Nassau and Disney's private island, Castaway Key. You know, and again, I think even when you're going to those destinations, although they're not, you know, Disney property, Mm -hmm. Disney's controlling the experience and they're helping you select the right experiences to get the most out of your ports of call. And, uh, and they've really got an art to it. Look at, they figured this out. If if you, you go way, way back, right. They originally got into this business as a joint venture with the big red boat and they tied the Disney vacation into that. And it was like, Hey, here we go. And they quickly learned, Hey, we could do this a lot you know, leaner, meaner, better, more Disney quality control if we build our own ships. And they did. And now they have, you know, total control of that Disney experience. Um, So once you're on those um, ports of call, you get to select port adventures, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Your excursions, right? Which Disney calls port adventures. Uh, Guys, have you been on any uh, exciting port adventures when you traveled on uh, cruises? I got really drunk on Bellican at in Belize. <laughs> does, does that count? Because that, that was, is an adventure. That was an adventure. <laughs> that was, next week, my wife will be on to tell stories about Belize. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but there are some uh, more appropriate family geared uh, adventures. I, I've seen some pictures, Susie, before of you and Lee and the boys doing some of those things. Share with our listeners some of those experiences. So, the Port Avengers, of course, are going to vary widely based on the kind of sailing, the itinerary that you're on. You know, if you're going to the Caribbean, you're going to find a lot of uh, snorkeling and scuba opportunities. Um, depending on where you are, almost all of the different ports of call, you can find some sort of culinary adventure. You can go and learn to, to cook a local dish, get an idea for local ingredients, local culture that way. Then they do also cultural uh, port adventures. One of our favorites was in Cozumel. And we had the opportunity to explore a park called uh, the Discover Mexico Park. And we learned about some of the history of Cozumel. They had this amazing diorama park that depicted different different, um, scenes from their history. But then we had the, the opportunity to paint our own alabrije. And this was shortly after the movie Coco came out. And this particular excursion was unique to visitors of Disney Cruise Line. And a lot of excursions that Disney Cruise Line coordinates are unique to its guests. So the alabrije that we painted were not available to other people who might come to the Discover Mexico Park. And we brought them home as this amazing souvenir. They sit right in our living room. And that was so much fun. And we say all the time, let's look for more adventures like that, where we have a chance to learn something about where we are and then bring home a wonderful souvenir based on the cultural experience that we've had. Yeah, that's great. I I love Cozumel. We stopped there for a couple of days on our honeymoon. So uh, my wife and I have lots of fond memories of of that. Uh, So, you know, there is, there's so many, wherever you go, right, there's four or five choices. Um, Well, and I mean, when we were in Alaska, we panned for gold, we saw lumberjacks, you know, we got to meet 
sled dog puppies. I mean, it was it's amazing things in these different parts of the world. And that's one of my favorite things about cruising is you unpack once and you get to see a bunch of different places. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, yeah. I mean, all ashore, there's going ashore on those things, but I think there's some people, um, you know, especially in the world now, some people are sometimes hesitant to get off at some ports and call. And if you decide to stay on board, there's lots of activities going on board, not just on your days at sea, right? But when you're in port. So tell, tell us about what you can do on board. Oh my goodness. So staying on the ship during a port day is the best experience. So if it's somewhere where you've already been or someplace maybe you're not comfortable or whatever reason for not getting off the ship, you're going to love it because the ship is empty but there's still a full schedule of activities and it feels like you have the entire place to yourself. The dining rooms are empty. So you have this amazing service when you go to eat your lunch. The movie theaters are, that are on board are empty. You can you know, spread out and take up as much room as you please, but you can also do things um, like, there's trivia games and bingo and, um, you know, different sorts of family contests. There was a, a trivia game that my older son and I were selected. It was like a family game show and we're selected to go and participate in. And I think one of uh, the most impressive things that I ever did as his mother was being able to answer the question, uh, what, notable event happened on October 1st, 1971, before the question was even asked, right? Like that was a big deal. He's like, mommy, they didn't even finish the question. And you knew it was the day the magic kingdom opened. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> well, right. I was like, well, yeah, but that's, that's, that's kind of what mommy's about, but all of these different things, I mean, everything from arts and crafts to liquor tastings and chocolate tastings, wine tastings. That's right, Carl. <laughs> There's a mixology class. You can go and for a nominal fee, you're learning to make five different cocktails in an hour. Oh, yeah, and look at comedy. I, when you were had this, when you said that, you know, everyone's ashore and the ship's empty. I just had the vision of us dudes hanging by the pool and having seven cocktail waitresses and a couple of bartenders all taking care of us. And like, it's no so fun. like keep bringing them, keep bringing them. Right. Like, well, and that's just it. Cause everybody is on shore Yeah. and everybody be like, Oh, are you going to head on to the Island today? Are you heading it? But no, we're just going to stay on board. And it's the, it's so magical to have the entire place to yourself. And the pool well, is empty. <laughs> and you can book a 10 night cruise where he can just spend every day in the mythology <laughs> class. <laughs> he's going to come out and he's going to put on a show for us on every drink at Disney and how to make it. Like that's, that's I would totally do that. I would. That's a great idea. It's like twenty bucks and you get five drinks. It's a great deal. But that, I mean, sign me up. I that mean, truly, great deal. Really can I sign up for that class four times in one afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I would hate to see Q4's uh, Disney profits after we do that because <laughs> we could have an impact on the uh, stock that that month. Um, very interesting. So, look at um, there is a lot to do. Um, one of the most common, as you mentioned, the, the Caribbean cruises um, is uh, a very important uh, thing. Something that's so Disney, I think people associated with it, and other people have sort of copied it and, and kind of brought the reality home to it. Um, but it's uh, Castaway Key. 
their own private island. And I think yes. some other lines have done that too. And I know everyone's eyes are lighting up because they're talking about that and everything. Before we get into how fun that is, um, I wanted to go into a little bit of some of the backstory. You know, Disney always has a backstory about when they do a land or a venue. And there's certainly a backstory to Castaway Key, uh, Disney's very own private island, but there's also real history about it. Um, and, you know, first of all, let's be clear. Disney does not own that, okay? The Bahamas owns it, and they have a 99-year lease on it, right? So uh, I'm sure that uh, if the uh, the dream and the wonder and the, uh, the new ships are still floating, they'll renew that lease. But um, that's really, it's, they don't own it. It's about... Um, about a thousand acres right so it's very it's i think the portion that you visit is there, there's much more to it but it's a thousand acres right to take that in relevance i mean that's that's certainly bigger than um the animal kingdom right as far as acreage at a theme park so that right. thousand acres is a lot of land it's three miles long um so it's you know as it's it's, it's more about narrow but anyways it's actually very close to the abaco islands which are about 180 miles south of florida so you're right in the middle of that tropical water that you want to experience all the activities you're going to be um very lush landscape um but originally i want to let you know and this is kind of fun and some of this is gone the island was first settled in 1783 and it was known as gorda key and um, European settlers were sort of loyalists escaping the American Revolution. So there's a tie into the states there. Um, the, the loyalists said, OK, this isn't going well um, for, for the UK. I'm going to um, I'm going to go down here. And they did. Um, some farmers were soon able to figure out they could uh, grow some food and they built a small village. Um, now, the big question there right, from a lot of people is, were there ever pirates on Gorda Key? Yes, there could be some treasure in and around there that is actually uh, pirate treasure. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the 1950s, some treasure hunters found on shore of the island um, a huge silver bar and three gold coins that they identified as belonging to King Philip IV of Spain. So some Spanish galleons probably around there um, were there. They believe it was part of the Spanish ship San Pedro, which um, they think grounded there around 1733. And that would have tied it in. So, yes, you're going to an island that was full of pirates, um, you know, historically. Then it went through this, this whole process to become what it is. The other part that people are fascinated when they talk about it, and if you talk to the employees down there, they'll tell you about it. Um, there was another aspect to this. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of Alvin Tucker, who was a successful, legitimate businessman. And he saw the potential when he flew over it for, for a realtor business and he was going to develop it. Um, and so he purchased 150 acres of, of the thousand acres there to start build, doing real estate. And he built an airstrip there. Um, but it didn't take long for that airstrip and runway to be commissioned for some other uses and it became very dark and there's some slight references to it on the theming of the island and it became a home for drug smugglers in and out of that island and um, they saw that opportunity because he built that airstrip so they came in took him over um, 
and and went to this so Gordike went to the sort of dark phase before Disney rescued it and brought it into the light. Um, you know, some of the bigger, if you read about it, some of the bigger drug busts were made there with just tons of the expensive stuff. So um, anyways, tourism prevailed. Some other people said, yeah, this would be better off with tourism. They did take it over. Um, and uh, Disney came there. A couple of things. Um, Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah arrived on the island and filmed Splash there in 1983, right? Which was the first uh, other label in the Disney family um, to, uh, to do that. And then, of course, for a real long time, they had this great um, replica from the Flying Dutchman. It was actually the real Flying Dutchman that we used in the Pirates of the Caribbean series. And it was on display there. You could get your picture there. Um, with Jack Sparrow, with that in the background. So we, uh, eventually, we just, it's no. We just became. We just went full circle here, Carl. Yeah. We just went full circle. We went from pirates to drug smugglers to Disney and mermaids, and back, back to, to pirates. pirates and Disney. So I mean, literally, we've completed the circle on this. Yeah. So there's a lot there, and I tell you, if you go there, and and some of the people who work there will. If you chat with them, they're very proud of kind of the stories that are around there. And I think it adds a lot to the mystique that ties into both Disney and the, the, the ties into history there. Now, um, but you don't go to Castaway Key for a history listing. You go there for fun, right, Susie? <laughs> for sure. And I have just learned so much about the history of that island. I, I knew some of that, mostly the more recent history. Didn't know the origins. So, so thank you for that. I'll spend some time researching more details on that for sure. Well, just the next time you stick your toe in the water, look out for a gold coin or two, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> That's fantastic. And mermaids. And mermaids. Yes, Def definitely mermaids. And Jack Sparrow. And Jack, well, yeah, he's usually there, actually. He <laughs> is, okay. There, actually, that's one of the fun things when you get off of the ship, when you disembark the ship into Castaway Key, Jack Sparrow is generally there for a photo op. And you nice. can go and get your picture taken with Captain Jack and then go on about your day. So Castaway Key has, as you said, a lot of acreage but a very small portion of it is developed and used for cruise guests. Now, the beach is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. The water is magnificent. There's a great sort of sheltered area for swimming. There's water slides, there's Pelican Plunge where you can go and um, swim out a little ways and there's um, water features and, and slides to go down. There's also a splash pad for the littlest cruisers to go and play and it's a freshwater splash pad. Speaking of the little ones, Scuttles Cove is the the Disney Kids Club on the island. And so younger guests can go and get checked in into a secure area. They can stay and play in the sand and they can play in the water features that are there. They'll even serve them lunch. And then you can come back and pick them up later. And why would that be interesting? You're at the beach. Don't you want to be with your family? Because there's an adults only beach. And uh, that's called Serenity Bay. And it is marvelous. You can go and get lots of 
um, adult beverages. There are spa services that are available there on the island. You can go and get a massage, looking out on the water. And all of that can be done while your little ones are safely at Scuttles Cove. Then there's the cabanas. Now the cabanas are a magnificent feature. Now there are cabanas that are adults only. There are a few of those, but then there are the family cabanas, which will hold up to 10 people. And they're not cheap. You know, they're not cheap. And there are not that many of them. So they're pretty hard to come by. Would uh, they sell bananas at the family? Uh, I, knew it. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it. I heard the word cabana and I was like, oh man, here we go. <laughs> um, but it does, I, I actually, they weren't selling them, but there were bananas in the fruit basket. So. There you go. That I'm counts, right? The drink, the drink, the banana cabana, which is yeah. very popular. I'm wondering on the adult side, but you said something very interesting. I, I want to tie into before you finish up. So, um, you mentioned the adult side, right? And I think some people are thinking the Disney cruise is for families and and little ones, but they've got this the adult aspect of it, where at least you can separate for the day. But I think the bigger question, and certainly what our show is about, um, you know adults and dudes hang out in disney is isn't an appropriate cruise for adults only to go on 150 percent. lee and i have cruised dcl without the boys several times and we always have a magnificent time wait a minute you're still bringing a kid if you're going with lee <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> so, really, so you have you you've, we have you've, we yeah. have uh so uh when is see what three, three different cruises we've cruised with just the two of us. And you have a fantastic time because uh, yes, it's certainly it's family friendly. It's Disney and that's what Disney does best, but that's not all that it's about. And you can go and yes, there's um, Serenity Bay on, on Disney's private Island. That's there. That's adults only. And you can't go over there if you're not at least 18, but there's also adults exclusive areas on the ship including adults exclusive dining. There are lounges and bars that are adults only. There's a pool and a whole area on the pool deck that's adults only. So once you've completed your day on Castaway K, you're gonna head back to the ship. And- They won't let you stay, I've asked. (laughs) No hanging out in the- No, they make you get back on the boat. Maybe next time walk off the boat with a tent on your back. So they know your intention right away. (laughs) So I once heard somebody say, I can't can't remember who it was, everything tastes better outside and everything tastes even better if you're by the ocean. And if you're cruising, everything tastes perfect. So let's talk about the dining options that Disney has on, on some of their ships. It's a really different uh, they kind of broke the mold on traditional cruise dining when they rolled out some of their concepts. And uh, even some people who look at, you know, some people who have been turned off by cruises because they think they're going to go there and eat five times a day, including the midnight buffet. And it's that's what it's all about. Right. And, um, you know, some people can do that, but uh, it's not all about the buffet line anymore. It's about these experiences. So, do you have a favorite restaurant, Susie? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite restaurant on board is Triton's, which is 
the fine dining restaurant or the what we call like the fancier restaurant on the Disney Wonder. I love the colors. I love the theming. It's Little Mermaid themed, Triton as an Ariel's father. Um, so the blues and the purples that are in there to me are absolutely breathtaking to look at. When it comes to the food, you have very similar menus from ship to ship. But bearing that in mind, those menus do change when you go into different areas of the world. So if you're sailing a Caribbean itinerary on the dream or on the wonder, the magic or the fantasy, any one of those, the menus are going to be very similar. But when you go to Northern Europe, you're going to have regionally inspired menus. When you go to Alaska, you're going to have regionally inspired menus. So there's that to keep in mind. So Triton's is my favorite, but one of the things to keep in mind about Disney Cruise Line that's different for dining is that rotational dining. You have a dining team that follows you from night to night. It's not in a creepy way. It's a good thing, right? Like they're, they're taking care of you. They're not stalking you, but they will be your um, service team no matter what restaurant you're eating in for dinner. So uh, you'll go the first night to a restaurant and then the next night you're in a different restaurant, but you have the same wait staff taking care of you and they learn your preferences. Sure. They might know that you want to start with, um, you know, a cocktail and they might know what that is. They might know that you prefer to start with um, iced tea and you always end with a cup of decaf, right? Like there's, these are the things that they get to know as you go through your trip. And yeah, that, so a traditional cruise, right? You get the same team, right? It's, but you're in the same dining room. Usually you're in the same, same place. Cities, same place. It's same time usually every night you're mm -hmm. on that. And and so you do get that familiarity and the, that sort of service with them. And obviously they're working really hard because at the end of the week, you're giving them a nice tip, right? right. So, um, so I imagine that's part of the logic behind having the same crew follow you around. Right, they're gonna. I would take say so. And work towards that uh, that tip at the end of the cruise. It's in their best interest to take as as wonderful care of you as they possibly can. I'm I'm really enjoying this thought in my head of Carl sitting down, and then just being like, "We need six bourbons and a steak." It's Carl's here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that you know, I'll tell you, it's um, you know, one of the experiences I had with the with a team on on a cruise I went to was I was going in that that rough waters and the second night nobody was in the dining room because of rough seas so i went there and like that place was half empty and that was lobster night so they're like no one's here how many lobsters do you want and i'm like just keep bringing them you know yeah, just just keep it going <laughs> and uh because you know that the waves didn't bother me um so yeah i mean you get that whole experience but but yeah there's rotational dining i mean disney introduced that right and went to that oh Susie. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about some of these themed restaurants on some of the ships that are in the dining rotation. Sure. So one of the newer ones is Tiana's Place, which is themed after uh, the Princess and the Frog. So if you've seen the movie, you know that Tiana ultimately opens her own restaurant. And that's what this is. It's got a great New Orleans theme to it. A lot of great New Orleans style Cajun food. 
you can get uh, shrimp and grits and uh, beignet for dessert. And oh, Ryan, beignets, <laughs> Ryan. You get a visit with Tiana. She comes by the tables. There's a show with a, the jazz combo. And um, so you get a chance to interact with characters. Plus you have uh, the restaurant that makes you feel like you're in the movie, like makes you feel like you've gone to Tiana's restaurant. There you go. Jonathan, what about some of the other famous restaurants on board? So one of the big ones that uh, they're kind of well known for uh, the animators palette. Uh, this one's a very interesting, very Disney style um, restaurant. So basically when you go into the restaurant, you start with what you refer to as a blank canvas. Basically the walls are very bare, very not very colorful. And throughout your dining experience, you start to see drawings and sketches of famous Disney characters kind of come to life, kind of from the start of the very basic um, looking of the sketches to adding more color, adding more depth and so forth and so forth. And then by the end of your meal, you've got this animated, what you would see normally on a Disney movie or a Disney short. Um, and the food is phenomenal. Uh, it kind of fits in re really well with that. Um, that theme, uh, it's probably one of the better experiences that you can get on a uh, Disney cruise ship. And Ryan, weren't you telling me about one of our MVPs who just loves the soft serve ice cream on board? Yeah, we definitely have an MVP that'll go and eat himself stupid with the ice cream on board. Likes to give himself headaches doing it, you know, and he has no problem with it. That's a big, it's a big perk for a lot of people is all the ice cream that you can get on, on ship. I know you're a big ice cream guy. So, um, so that's it. So lots of great choices uh, for dining. And then I think another thing that's unique to the Disney cruises is all the entertainment options, right? I mean, their brand is all about entertainment in various forms. And, you know, when they broke into the cruise line, it was shortly after they started to break in into Broadway. And now they've got as I understand it, some spectacular shows. Susie, tell us a little bit about those experiences. The shows are fantastic. I love, love going to the shows. Now, previously, the arrangement was that there was an early show and a late show, same show. And if you had early dining, you went to the late show and vice versa. The way things are running now is more along the lines of uh, there's uh, uh, two shows and they're offered on opposite nights to be able to give more people a chance to take advantage of those and with the physical distancing. But they're Broadway caliber shows. They come and immerse you into a lot of times classic Disney tales, retellings of things like Aladdin and Tangled, but then also original shows like the Golden Mickeys where you're coming and getting, you know, it's like a play on the Oscars where they're coming and, and giving out these awards. And, and there are some other original shows that happen on board as well. So you have the opportunity to enjoy all of those. That's included in your cruise fare. You're not paying extra to go to those shows and you don't have to make reservations. And there's also entertainments on deck and some fabulous, you know, uh, fireworks at sea. Yes, Disney's fireworks at sea, first of their kind. Getting a chance to go up on deck and actually be able to see. Now, depending on what kind of itinerary you're sailing on, the 
most common fireworks at sea are part of what Disney Cruise Line calls Pirate Night. And uh, Pirate Night is an opportunity for everyone to, you know, talk like a pirate, dress like a pirate if you're so inclined. You'll find folks uh, dress up. You'll have everything from folks who tie a bandana around their hair to, you know, the full Captain Jack Sparrow costume on the guests. So everything, and then some, and then there's a special menu that goes with it. Um, the There's special makeovers, pirate makeovers that you can get on board as well. And But all of that then leads up to the culmination of the evening with uh, the fireworks. So that's a great time. But in terms of entertainment, it doesn't stop there, Carl. There's uh, movie theaters on board that play first run movies. So you might be on board and get to see, you know, a brand new uh, Pixar film or, you know, I saw Moana on board when it, right after it released um, for Star Wars Day at Sea, you know, you get to see all the Star Wars movies. Um, so that's another wonderful form of entertainment. Not to mention um, the the live music and the clubs, the lounges, and yeah, all those Yeah, let's talk about too. that. You know, occasionally I've been known to have a cocktail. And I've heard I've that. Heard, and I've heard there's some nice bars or lounges on board. Everyone's so <laughs> going off to the entertainment. If I wanted to kind of quietly go to one of those bars or lounge, I could do that. You could, in fact. And each different ship has a different um, entertainment our lounge area. So you've got different venues in different dedicated spaces throughout the ships. So uh, you've got everything uh, from very uh, sports bar type type pubs and to pink, which is a sophisticated champagne bar and everything in between. We've got sky, which has uh, different skylines from around the world that that show up on the the window there makes you feel like oh you're in Paris or no I'm in London now I'm in New York um, so that's a lot of fun to get to feel like you're in different places even more so than where the ship might have taken you um, the Cadillac lounge has a great big front of a Cadillac in it <laughs> I mean, there's it has a, a like a piano bar feel about it so there's something for everybody and there's at least three different lounges on each ship and they are differently themed depending on where you are so three different lounges three different dudes i mean it's like a match made in heaven <laughs> perfect right so susie you could not have done a better job in a, in educating us and our clients on all the options um, through all the fleet, but I know you're very excited to be going on the latest and greatest vessel very shortly. Yes. So tell us all about the Disney Wish and your next trip. Oh, Carl, we are so excited. We are going to be sailing on the maiden voyage of the Disney Wish this coming June, June 9th out of Port Canaveral. That's a special five night sailing. The Disney Wish is still under construction. So everything that we know about it is based on artist renderings and the plans that have been released. But there are some phenomenal things coming. So we're talking about those rotational dining 
options, all new restaurants coming to the Disney Wish, including Worlds of Marvel. It's going to be a Marvel-themed um, Marvel themed restaurant with character interactions. Uh, where rumor has it that Ant-Man is going to shrink the guests down during dinner. Can't wait to see how that goes. Especially uh, after you've been to the after the buffet a couple times, just right. Or, I think or this is great. After you've been to the bar a few times, apparently you get shrunk down too. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's um, there's going to be um, a, a frozen themed restaurant with character dining. They're celebrating um, Anna and Kristoff's engagement. So, and then also restaurant 1923, which is invoking the golden age of Hollywood. And it's named after the year that the Walt Disney Company was started. So new restaurants, there's going to be the hyperspace lounge. So new lounge, Star Wars themed, y'all can't wait to get in there. Um, this is something that actually the Wish has made to my mind, a lot of strides in terms of being broader with the intellectual properties that they're including on the ship. So we're going to have a Marvel themed restaurant. We're going to have a Star Wars themed lounge. We're going to have all these different activities that are meant to engage everybody a little more. It's a little, a little less princess heavy, right? So more dude friendly if you will. So I think that the wish is really going to offer a lot of opportunities and we're still learning week after week, every week they release a little teaser about more things that are coming up, but the state rooms are bigger. They're more, there's a higher percentage of veranda state rooms than the other ships. All these different things are going into bringing us this new technology on a brand new ship. That's wonderful. Dudes, are there any last questions we forgot to ask Susie while we have her at our fingertips, being the plethora of knowledge that she is? There is one question I have. It's more from the service aspect, right? Is that I've heard these stories about people that go on multiple ships and they'll have uh, the same crew actually on another ship, like, you know, two years later that still remembered them. Yes. You experienced anything like that? Yes, we absolutely have. On our very first Disney cruise, our assistant server for our, from our dining team was a lovely young woman named Maria. Well, we had Maria for that week uh, as part of our dining team. Then a year and a half later, we were in, uh, we were sailing out of Copenhagen and Maria was on board with us on the magic again. And we were just delighted to, to get to see her again. And, and she remembered us and she remembered the boys and oh, how they've grown. So that was from 2015 to 2017. Well, in 2019, we were back on board the Magic for the first time in that long and went looking. And is she still here? And does anybody know? Well, it turns out now she has a role in HR but she was on board the ship and she came out to talk to us and she, through the rest of our trip, came in and checked in with us and visited with us every 
chance she got. We have pictures of us together. <laughs> and so, yes, we have experienced that. And the service keeps you coming back and it makes you feel so warm and so welcomed that this person not only thought enough to, to recognize our faces, but then remembered the things that we liked. And it's that far back you know, to be able to say, you know, she was able to say to Zachary, do you remember when I, I drew you Mike Wazowski and ketchup? So, you know, just things like that. And it's, it's kind of amazing, but yes, we have experienced that. And that's just one example. It is amazing. Um, and I think people need to understand that's one of the reasons you pay a premium for Disney. Yes. It's like, you don't go on other cruise ships and have that happen like that. You don't, I mean, maybe once in a great while, but be willing to bet that person probably winds up on a Disney ship at some point instead of, you know, wherever else they're cruising. So I am just saying, you know, it's a beautiful thing. I love the service from Disney everywhere, but when you talk about cruise ships, having that, that's, that just takes the magic to a whole new level. Certainly does. Susie, we can't thank you enough for really, joining the dudes and bringing us up to speed on everything Disney Cruise. I hope you come back soon and visit us again with another great topic. Carl, thank you. It's been my pleasure to spend some time here with you and John and Ryan. The Disney Cruise Line is my favorite thing to talk about. Happy to talk about that absolutely anytime, but always great to get to talk to all of you. Well, and with that, we'll wish you smooth sailing and also wish you later, dudes. Later, dudes. Later, dudes. Later, dudes. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dudes Dish Disney. Please check us out on social media on Facebook.com at Dudes Dish Disney, on Instagram at Dudes Dish Disney, on Twitter at Disney underscore dish. Please visit our sponsor, Magic Vacations at magicvacations.net. More than just a travel agency, Magic Vacations has over 60 Magic Vacation planners committed to bringing you white glove concierge service. Using a Magic Vacation Planner allows you to spend more time making memories and less time worrying about the details. For all your Disney, Universal, Cruise, and Global travel, go to magicvacations.net. Magic Vacations, discover the magic of travel.